All right, for the young ones with us, I'm just curious to know how many ways are there for us to count the time or to know what time it is? The clock. A clock is one way and... Like one of the sand bottles. Right. The one of the bottles of sand yep. that you flip over. So let's see, we've got uh, number one you said is a clock, right? So I've got a picture of a clock here and they can be all kinds of clocks, right? Grandfather clock, grandmother clock, yeah. on a wall, clock on a desk. And then you said sundial, did you say? Yeah, like one of those something. Hourglass. Yeah, hourglass. Oh, an hourglass, like one of these. Yeah. Wow. I actually have one in my bathroom. Do you really? Yeah. So you can't spend more than an hour in there, right? <laughs> and then what are other ways that we can keep track of time? Hmm. One second. Hmm. About something like this. A watch. The plain old watch. And also a phone. A phone, absolutely. That's how I keep track mostly. It is now 1023. That's good. It's almost 1030. Okay, it's close. How about, uh, have you ever seen something like this? Oh, it's one of those like timer thingies. I have that on my, um, on my kitchen. Yeah, kitchen, so it's a timer. So if you put something in the oven and you want it in there for 20 minutes, you can set the timer and then it goes off when it's done. How about um, something like this? I don't know if you can see that real well. Oh, it's a calendar. Yeah. What is that? Uh, um, one of the calendars. Oh, oh horses, horses, horses. It's got, this is beautiful. This is rescued animals. And it's from Kita. And they're gorgeous animals. That's December right there. Give me that. So, so that we have calendars. Um, here's another picture. I don't know if you can see what this is. What's that? See what that is? Can you see it there? Sundial. A sundial. The old-fashioned way of knowing what time it is, right? <laughs> if the sun is right on top of us, it's noon. If it's over to the east, it's morning. If it's over to the west, it's evening. Oh, like, um, and there's another thing. So if you, um, so, um, like, if you do, like, a scout thing, you can do around, and then you, like, it's, it's 4.30, so you have to, if you're looking for 2.30, you have to go to 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, so you 2.30, and you look that way. Right. So there are so many ways for us to keep track of time. And today, I don't know if you've noticed, but now I have blue vestments on. Yeah. And I see blue in your house there. It's Advent. That's the color of Advent for some people. 
and it's the beginning of a brand new church year for us. And in Advent, we have this interesting way of counting time or counting the days between today and Christmas, because that's what Advent is. It's the period of time between now and Christmas. And we're trying to get ourselves ready for the coming of Jesus at Christmas. And what we do then is do a little more praying and thinking about things so that when Christmas comes, we are so full of anticipation and joy and love and peace and hope that Christmas is the best ever. And so during yeah. Advent, we have this custom in the church. We count the Sundays and we do that by lighting candles. And we have our Advent wreath. You saw that, right? We lit the first candle today. When do we light the second candle? Tomorrow. No, next, next Sunday. Next Sunday. <laughs> and the third one, the Sunday after that. And the fourth one, the Sunday after that. And after we have four candles lit, then the next thing we look forward to then is Christmas Day. So, yay. yay. So, but we have four Sundays and a few more days to wait. And so the candles on the Advent wreath, and if you have one at home, or I know you've made them before. They're right here. We made them at Sunday school. Here they are. Yeah, good. So they're just a way of marking the time as we watch and wait. And they keep us a little bit busy and a little bit focused on the things that are important for us while we wait for Christmas. And that is to love and care for others and to spend some time making our relationship with Jesus stronger and better. And we have a lot of time to hope and pray for better things to come in our world and in our life as we wait for Jesus coming. But it's a nice way for us to keep track of time. So this is our prayer, gracious and loving God. We ask that you would be with us and guide us as we watch and wait for your coming at Christmas and help us to keep as busy as we can doing all the things we need to do to make sure that your birth, our celebration of your birth, is the best ever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. While manger scenes are beginning to pop up all over town, well, at least Christmas decorations anyway, a lot of Santas and snowmen in South San Francisco these days, and Christmas carols are filling the airwaves, Christmas movies have been playing on television for months already. This morning, we're given a different vision of the coming of the Lord. According to the Gospel of Mark, we can forget the stable, the star, the shepherds keeping watch over their flock by night. When Mark looks into the sky, what he sees are cosmic 
fireworks, a darkened sun, a dim moon, stars falling from the sky like sparks from a sparkler. And there in the center of the smoke, the Son of God coming in clouds and great power and great glory. It's a vision really of the end of time, the final coming of the Lord when the world as we know it will become compost for the world that God has been trying to remake all along. We have refused that world for the most part. Like the prophets before him, Jesus spent his whole life describing it to us, but it turned out to be much more difficult than anyone would have imagined. It involved way too much togetherness for one thing, not just worshiping together like we are with other people, but actually living together in community with them, making decisions together, pooling resources, holding each other accountable, with no permission to leave certain people out because they were too brusque or too gushy or too left or too right. The way Jesus describes it, it was a world in which nothing could be taken for granted. God would be anywhere and in anyone. And if you went to sleep for even 15 minutes, you might miss the most important event of your life. You might wake up to find God standing over you with suitcases in both hands saying, where were you when I arrived? The door was standing open, no lights were on. I thought I told you to watch out for me. Therefore, keep awake, Jesus said. For you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn. Or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. So what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. That word in Greek is the same word that Jesus uses in the Garden of Gethsemane, if you remember, when he begs Peter, James, and John to stay awake and pray with him. Stay awake, he's saying, stay conscious. As hard as it is, and as long as it takes, please don't go to sleep on me. Now, since I love to sleep, it's a hard saying for me. I agree with G.K. Chesterton that sleep is one of the surest signs of trust in God. But some people have trouble sleeping. Maybe they have anxiety or stress, and they intend to rest and sleep, but they can't shut off their minds. They begin to make lists of things about which they are afraid or about what they need to do the next day. The longer the lists, the longer they stay awake. These COVID days are not helping. When we try to run the world all by ourselves, 
we have a hard time sleeping. It's only when we surrender it to God that we can sink into blessed unconsciousness. So I tend to think of sleep as a good thing, not a bad thing. But I know how sleepiness can work on people who are up against the problems that they do not want to face. There's that kind of sleep too, not a sign of trust, but of terrible fear, so terrible that the mind just shuts down. Depression can cause it, illness can cause it. If you ever have had anesthesia before surgery, it's kind of like that. First, there's the static between the ears, your eyelids start to tick, then sleep comes, then the world goes away. There are no pain, there's no dream, there's only darkness and oblivion. So we have that kind of sleeping. There's another kind of sleepiness that most of us also know about, which is the result of boredom. When you have a five-hour flight or a four-hour drive or a five-hour wait for someone to come and repair something, and so you don't know when they're going to come, they give you this five-hour window, and you can't do anything, and you just have to watch and wait. With so much time on your hands, it can lose its meaning. It's hard to say whether it passes slowly or quickly because it does both. Even if you find other things to do while you wait, you know that you're still waiting for something that you cannot make happen, for something you cannot rush. And the sheer monotony of all that helplessness can put you right to sleep. I don't know which kind of sleepiness Jesus is warning us against but he clearly wants us to wake up. Stay awake, he says, stay conscious. As hard as it is, as long as it takes, please don't go to sleep on me. None of us ever knows when the end will come. For us, for those we love, for the church, for the world, and the weight of all that unknowing can put us right to sleep because being asleep is a lot easier than being afraid or bored or helpless. Being asleep is easier than being alive, period. But Jesus will not stand for it. Wake up, he says, when his own end is near, he says that to us. Wake up to do whatever life is bringing to you as a person, as a people. Wake up to the pain, if that is what is there for you to wake up to, because you cannot be healed until you admit that you are hurt. Wake up to the love that will not let yourself have, that you might not let yourself have because you're afraid you're going to lose it. Wake up to the future that you are so furious about because it may not be the future that you envisioned or the way things that you had planned actually were happening. Wake up to the fact that you are not the master here. 
just the servant in charge. And while you're at it, wake up to the incredible honor of being given such a job, not one down in the basement, but one at the front door where you will be the first to see the master when he returns. It has been a long time since he came the first time, and we've been waiting a long time for him to come again. But how long is not really the issue for us. How awake we are is. Our job is to stay conscious, to resist sleep, to stay alive to everything that life is bringing up so that we don't miss God when God comes. The message today, stay awake. Amen.